speaker for tonight is Telos Emmanuel Fuller. That's right, according to your ID, I'm kidding. <laughs> Telos is a young, passionate speaker who loves people, looks for adventure, and long rides on his motorcycle. I will not be joining him anytime soon. <laughs> he graduated from Virginia Commonwealth University with a bachelor's in the arts with a focus on action, on acting. <laughs> he spent time and graduated from the Every Nation School of Campus Ministry and has been working as the youth pastor of Grace Covenant Church near Washington, D.C. for the past four years. In the morning, they were introducing him at the, at the 12 o'clock service and say he's been in ministry for four weeks. No, it's four years, <laughs> not four weeks. So please put your hands together for Telos. Welcome, Telos. Sweet, brother. Appreciate you, man. I'm going to get you on a motorcycle soon. No. I'm gonna get... <laughs> he says no, I say yes. I'm going to try. I'm going to try my best. I'm going to try my best. Man, it is so good to be with y'all today. Um, y'all have a great vibe. Yo, Nao, it's a great vibe in here. Like, you, you, you know, you, sometimes you don't know how much you miss something until you don't have it anymore, right? And when you're around people, you realize how, how important the family of God is, Yeah. And so I'm encouraged, man, to be here with y'all. Um, like Pastor Nail said, um, I'm uh, the youth pastor at my church back in uh, northern Virginia. So it's like half, half an hour, like 30 minutes from Washington, D.C. Um, so I'm really, really privileged to be all the way over here in South Africa. It's actually my first time in Africa. So I'm super excited to be here with y'all. Oh, yeah. So... I cannot wait to share the word with y'all. I feel like God has a word um, for us tonight, so I'm really, really excited to see what's going to happen. I've been at uh, two other services today, but I think that this one is the most exciting so far. So, <laughs> and I expect nothing less. I expect nothing less from an ENC chapter. So, today what I want to talk to us about is I want to talk to us from a really, really famous story that if you've been in church or even haven't been in church, you've heard before. Um, I want us to go to Matthew chapter 14, verse 24 through 30. And this is the story of Peter walking on water. It's a story that a lot of us know, so hopefully we can get something out of it. Um, but before we get into that, I want to talk about what uh, uh, this whole season of life is, is really uh, forcing us all to realize. And for me, in my context, it's forcing and, and pushing me towards a real understanding of my faith. I've been in a position, in multiple positions, where I've had the opportunity to trust God and the opportunity not to trust God. And I got to say, sometimes I'm pretty disappointed in myself because I often trust myself over God. I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes you think that trusting God is the more risky option. But I'll tell you from experience that trusting God is definitely the safer option. And oftentimes that means us getting uncomfortable, that we get out of our comfort zone and move into the uncomfortable so God can actually do something amazing. What I want to do is I want to read Matthew chapter 14, verse 24 through 30, and see what the word has to teach us tonight. Y'all with me? All right, let's do it. So it's in Matthew chapter 14, verse 24. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, Jesus, walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it's a ghost. They cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. 
And Peter answered him, Lord, typical Peter, right? Lord, if it's really you, command me to come out onto the water. He said to him, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. What I want to title this message is Wave Walker. Wave Walker, talking about faith and uncertainty. Will you pray with me real quick? Father, we invite you into this place, and we know that you are already here. God, we want to honor you with everything that we have. So, Lord, would you be glorified in our worship? Would you be glorified in the word, Lord? Would you be glorified in our community? God, we're asking for you to do something that we can't do by ourselves. Holy Spirit, open our eyes and our ears to see and hear everything that you want to say. And Lord, would I decrease so that you may increase. Father, we love you so much. And more importantly, you love us. Holy Spirit, would you empower us to live, look, and love more like Jesus today than we did yesterday. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. amen. And everyone said, amen. amen. Let's go. So here we find Jesus with his knuckleheaded and amazing disciples again. <laughs> Jesus has these knuckleheads that he brings on his mission with him, and he invites them into so many different circumstances, and oftentimes into circumstances where he wants them to trust him and not themselves. Right before this story, what we find is we find Jesus, who has been ministering in the region, and actually right before this, we have the only account, one of the only miracles that's accounted in all four Gospels, the feeding of the 5,000. So Jesus feeds this massive crowd, and all of a sudden, everybody's like, oh my gosh, who is this guy? There are baskets left over. He feeds 5,000 men and women and children, not even included. And all of a sudden, after Jesus does this amazing miracle, Jesus goes away to a mountain alone to pray. Any introverts in the room? You know what I mean? Like, you need to go away after you've been with people for a long time? That was Jesus. Jesus said, okay, I did the miracle. I fed 5,000. Now I got to go because I got to be alone. Jesus knew the quality and the value of being alone. He went up to the mountain to pray. But before he did that, what he did is he sent his disciples and said, go across the Sea of Galilee and I'll meet you on the other side. Now the disciples got into their boats, most of them being fishermen, and were ready to go to the other side. And what we find here is the middle of our story. They're in the middle of the night. And Jesus is supposedly up on the mountain. They're in the middle, in the middle of the sea, in the middle of a storm. And this is where they find themselves in our story. What I really want to talk about is the role of faith in the believer. What role does faith really play? Because sometimes, if you're like me, we could think of faith as like the entry point to heaven, but then it stops there. We say, okay, I need faith to get into heaven. It's grace by, by grace through faith. So I need his grace, but then I need faith. But then what do I do with faith afterward? And now we see an opportunity. I want to unpack where does faith play in the believer's life? Now, I don't want to just speak about having faith for miracles, but I actually want to speak about having faith for trouble. This past year, I think, has put us in a position where we've had to have a lot of faith in our trouble. And if we aren't, then we might end up like the disciples. And I want to encourage us, just like Matthew is trying to encourage this whole, um, his whole audience that he's writing to while writing the gospel of Matthew, he wants to encourage them to see Jesus as their Messiah, 
see Jesus as their savior. And this is what Matthew's trying to do by showing the 5,000, by showing his, his rule and his reign over nature and over elements. He's saying that God is the God of nature. That's what Matthew's trying to convey to them by telling these stories back to back, that Jesus is showing himself as the God of miracles and also showing himself as the God of troubles. God is a powerful God, but God is also a close God. Where he's not distant and away from your troubles, but he's actually intimately involved with you in the middle of them. Jesus fed the 5,000. Jesus healed a leper. Jesus healed Jairus' daughter. He healed the woman with the issue of blood. And we see through all of these stories a common theme. And the common theme in all of those is faith. That Jesus acknowledged and saw people with great faith. And that's where we find ourselves. I want to talk about three things tonight. I want to talk about a great trouble, a great hope, and a great faith. A great trouble, a great hope, and a great faith. We find ourselves in a great trouble. Verse 24 and 25, we find ourselves. And this verse says, But the boat by this time was a long way away from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea. Mm. He came to them, walking on the sea. Aren't you so happy that Jesus came to you? Like, just that simple phrase, right? That Jesus came to them. That means that you have a God who is able to come to you, who is willing to come to you. Not just in your good times, but in your bad times. Not just when things are all great and and you're at campus and and you're reading your Bible and you're going to church and you're praying all the time and you're fasting. But maybe when you haven't been to church in a while. And maybe when your your relationships are jacked up. And maybe when you're trying to figure out what you're going to do for the rest of your life. Jesus comes to you. I'm I'm grateful for a God that came to me. A great trouble. uh, This this message is entitled Wave Walker. Um, And... If we want to walk on water, if we want to be a wave walker, we're going to need some water to walk on. You know what I mean? And the water in this story represents trouble, (laughs) right? It's a we, I don't know if you're like me, but I want to do great things for God, but great things for God usually require great trouble. My, My dad says it this way. He says, everybody wants a miracle, but nobody wants the circumstances needed to make it happen. Right? You know what I mean? Like, you want God to do something great, but for God to do something great, things have to be not so great for a little bit, right? And so the disciples find themselves in this situation where the winds and the waves are against them. They're against them. They're beaten by the waves. This is the boat. As they're far from land, the boat is beaten by the waves, and the wind was against them. Have you ever felt just beaten up by life? Just like everything was against you in life? Like you can't catch a break? That is, this, this, that's where they're at in the story. It's, man, I can't catch a break. Like, I just got off of a great miracle moment when Jesus fed these 5,000 people, and that's amazing. And all of a sudden, bro, I cannot catch a break. He told us to go to the other side. Man, this guy, why, he's not even here with us, right? Like, Jesus isn't even there. And they're like, man, what are we supposed to do? And so they are beaten up by the winds and the waves of life. They're far away from the land. And if you remember, these are accomplished fishermen. Like, that's what, that's what some of these guys did before Jesus called them. 
that Peter and Andrew were fishermen, so they weren't any strangers to the Sea of Galilee, let alone being in a boat, let alone being in a boat in a storm. So if they think that they're getting beat up by life, they're getting beat up by life. That this is no normal storm. This is not just some rain. This is getting beat up by the winds and the waves. And it says something interesting here. It says that in verse 25, in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them. In the fourth watch of the night. Now, I had to look up what that meant because I'm not a fisherman. I don't go on boats. I don't know what that means. So when I looked this up, what I found is that the fourth watch of the night in Roman military timing, what they did is that they set up watches, four different watches in three different hours throughout the night. And so what they did is they counted from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. over those 12 hours, four watches, three hours each that would go throughout the night and people would be awake to watch and make sure no one was invading. When it says the fourth watch of the night, that means that there are four slots. So they were in the fourth slot, and it went from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. So the last three hours before 6 a.m. is what? 3 to 6 a.m. How dark is it then? Right? What that tells me is that Jesus came to them in their darkest moment. That when things, it has been dark for a while. They had been beat up for a while. And Jesus came to them in their darkest moment. He comes on the sea and walks over to them. When life is at its darkest, it's not time to forget Jesus. It's time to find Jesus. I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes when life gets dark, I often lose all my sanctification. You know what I'm talking about? Like, I just regress like crazy. Like, like I've never been taught, right? And I'm just like, I don't know what to do, man. My life's going crazy. Like, what's up? And I'm like, and people look at me and they're like, bro, you know what to do. Like, it's the same stuff. You know, like, Pastor Steve, same boring strokes. Like, bro, I love God, love people, make disciples. I submit my prayer requests with prayer and supplication and thanksgiving. I, I go to God and, and I choose to command my soul to rest in the Lord. Like, I know what to do, but I don't know what to do. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? And, and if you're like me, where you're somebody who's like, now, if somebody else was going through the same thing, I would have the best advice. I'd be like, oh, I'm a pastor. I'm a counselor. Like, I should get paid for this. And when I go through it, I'm like, I'm like, like, I've never had no sense. But for me, like, they, they didn't know what to do. And in our greatest trouble, when life is at its darkest, it's not time to forget Jesus. It's time to find him. We got to go looking for Jesus in our trouble. Not just wait for him. We got to be like, yo, God, where? Like, I got to find you because I am in trouble. These disciples needed to be looking for Jesus. The fourth quarter, the, 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 the last seconds of the game, they needed to be finding Jesus. And the, the funny thing is, is that the disciples have kind of been here before. Right? Like, if you guys remember, in Matthew chapter 8, that's when Jesus tells them the same thing. Hey, we're going to go to the other side. We're going to go to the other side. But in this story, Jesus is with them in the boat, but sleeping in the, in the boat, right? And all of a sudden, the winds and the waves, it's the same thing. It's like deja vu. The winds and the waves are coming at them, and then they go down to Jesus. Man, don't you care that we're perishing? What's going on? Jesus is like, waking up. He's like, what are you talking about, bro? Like, what are you doing? And then he like wakes up. He's like, man. He goes up to the winds. He's like, shh. And walks away. And everything goes quiet. And they're like, what just happened? Right? And, you, and, and, and I look back at this story, and I'm like, wait a minute. And I look at Matthew 8, and I look at Matthew 14, and I'm like, they've been here before. Right? Like, they've been in this situation before. 
And then I get convicted. Because I'm like, I've probably been in some situations before where God taught me what to do, and then I forgot it in my next season of life. Isn't it interesting how trouble in one season can cause us to forget a testimony in another? Right? That we're in, <laughs> in this like trouble, it probably been there before, and all of a sudden we forget everything God taught us in the last season. And these disciples had been here before. They let their trouble in their current season steal their testimony from their last season. And Jesus still was, was uh, coming to them. And I really believe, Bible doesn't say this, but this is what I believe, that Jesus was training them in levels of faith. They said, all right, the first time we go across, I'm going to be with you in the boat, but I'm just going to be sleeping, and I'm going to show you that I have power over, over nature. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to say we're going to the other side, and then we're going to go to the other side. And then next time, in Matthew chapter 14, I'm going to say we're going to the other side, but I'm not going to be physically with you this time to see if you still trust me at my word. And so he was training them in levels of faith, saying, you, okay, level one, Matthew 8, level two, Matthew 14. And then all of a sudden, I think that Jesus was taking them from one level of faith to another because he calmed a storm in Matthew 8. And now they have the opportunity to trust him and have faith in him in Matthew chapter 14. Are there any seasons of life where you can look back right now and say, God, are you taking me from faith to faith? What, what, what are you trying to teach me in this storm? What is there to learn? Because there was a learning, there was a lesson to learn for the disciples in their storm. I don't want any of us to let our troubles outweigh our testimonies. That's when we get in trouble, is when we let the troubles of life discourage us and outweigh the testimonies that God has given us. We're in this great trouble and it's, it's, it kind of stinks because from what I've learned, Jesus rarely shows up when you want him, but he always shows up on time. You know what I mean? Like, I want Jesus to show up as soon as the storm gets bad. And Jesus says, I'm going to show up in the fourth watch of the night. And I'm like, bro, like, what for? Like, I'm in trouble. You, probably, you knew I was going to fail the test anyway. Why would you let me fail the test? Why did you just come here? But, like, Jesus doesn't always show up when we want him, but he always shows up on time. And Jesus is teaching them a lesson here, I think a really practical lesson. They're saying, when you're in trouble, I am there. Like, really simply. He says, when life is difficult, I am there. That's a God who comes to us on the water. And now they had a faith, uh, now they had an opportunity to have faith in this next trial. <laughs> he was a uh, Jesus, the first wave walker, the first one to walk on the waves. And I think it's interesting because he comes to them walking on the waves. Now, we've already understood that the waves and the winds are symbols of the disciples' trouble. And Jesus comes walking on the waves which means that Jesus comes walking on my trouble, which means that the things that I worry about, Jesus walks on. So let me tell you something. If you're discouraged, there is a God who is for you who's saying, whenever you're worried, I don't just calm that thing down. I can walk on your worry. I'm not just a God of enough, but I'm a God who can walk on the things that are troubling you. I have authority and they are under my feet. Your God walks on your worry. That's how good he is. 
It's incredible what the, the, the disciples get from this, this great trouble is they see a new side of Jesus. One who is not just silencing storms, but walking on them. Hey, appreciate it. Thanks, bro. He walks on the things that we worry about. God has authority over our trouble. That's a great trouble and now a great hope. Verse 26 through 28, it says this. But when the disciples saw him walking on, the wa- walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Mm. Verse 28, and Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come out onto the water. And I love Peter because to be honest, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. Why did Peter want to walk on the water? You know, like, what was the point? You know what I mean? <laughs> Where he's like, it's in, they're in the middle of a storm. They're about to die. And Jesus, he's like, if it's really you, I want to do it too. <laughs> I bet the other disciples are like, that's not the time, bro. Like, this is the, like, read the room. This is not the time. Tell him to calm the storm. You know what I mean? And I think about Peter, I'm like, why did you ask? I don't, I, I don't know why. I think it's funny, though. He's like, if it's really you, <laughs> call me out onto the water. It's, it's this, this, this great, great hope. And what I, what I learned from this story is that if we want to walk on water, if we want to be a wave walker, you're going to need a glimpse of God and a word from God. Yeah. A glimpse of God and a word from God. You see, Peter had a relationship with Jesus. He'd, he'd spent some years with him. He'd seen some miracles. He'd, he was the one, like, straight up. I give Peter credit, man. He dropped his net as soon as he saw Jesus. Like, he had that faith. He was committed. Peter was the dude and your friend that you want in a fight because he would just go crazy for you, right? He would just be like, yo, I, I'm going to do whatever. And I was like, bro, calm down. <laughs> like, chill out. Like, I know you're for me, but chill out, bro. Like, Peter was committed to Jesus. And he knew something about Jesus. He had that relationship with him and history with him. And he saw something faint and then heard something familiar. Let me read it again. It says this, verse 26. Disciples saw him walking on the water. They were terrified and said, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come out onto the water. You see, they, they saw something. They said, what is that? Some of them thought it was a ghost. What is that? They saw something faint, and then Peter heard something familiar. It is I. And so what Peter did is he put two and two together. He said, all right, I, I, I think I know who that is. I think I know. I'm not sure, but I think I know. And then he heard, he said, I'm pretty sure I know that voice. I'm pr- I think I know that voice. He saw something faint and then heard something familiar. You see, a godly hope can come from your past trials because he had experience with God. He knew him. He saw him. He spent time with him. And in this moment, I do think that Peter remembered chapter 8. I think he remembered the first time in Galilee. I think he was like, I've been here before. I've been in this kind of storm before. And all of a sudden, he now had the faith. Faith some rose up in him and he chose. He said, man, all right, God, if it is you, if it is, and I, I'm not sure, but if it is, I want to go out there. He had this, this hope that drew him to Jesus. And I wonder if we can look back on our lives and say, man, is, 
yeah, I'm, I'm in a troubling season, but God, I, I feel like that's you. Like, I'm not sure, but I think that's you. And, and, and I've, I've gone through my history of my relationship with you, God, and I'm pretty sure that's your voice. I remember hearing it that time, and I'm hearing something this time, so I'm going to take a, a, a step of faith. I'm going to take a step of faith here. And so maybe I want to encourage y'all, think about your history with God and say, God, I think that's you. And take that step of faith when you have a great hope. And faith is our sign for God to invite us into the miraculous. It's a sign when we show faith, when Peter says, call me out, that's Jesus' sign to say, okay, great, that's what I was looking for. Now you can come. Because he didn't invite the rest of the disciples. He invited Peter, and Peter showed that great hope, which turned into a great faith. And the last point is a great faith. Verse 29 through 30, it says this. He said to him, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Lord, save me. You see, faith in Jesus will take you to places that nobody has ever been before. But trust in Jesus will keep you there. If you notice, Peter had this moment of faith. And he said, if it's you, call me out. And Jesus called him out. And he started walking on the water. He had done something that nobody else had ever done before. He was walking on water. Jesus had did it and Peter did it. That was it. Faith took Peter to a place that nobody had ever been before. But he looked at the winds and looked at the waves and chose to trust those and the intimidation of the waves more than the faithfulness of Jesus. And that's what sunk him. I wonder... Have you been in a unique space where you're like, yo, me and God, like, it is us. We're great. Like, we're homies. I've never been so good with God in my life. And you have this intense faith, but all of the sudden your trust for God to keep you in that place has lowered and you fall out of that place. That, that Peter had this faith to go, but not the faith to stand. He couldn't stand on the water. And Peter, as he fell, he was, uh, <laughs> he falls in the water and to be honest, I admire Peter. I know he gets a lot of like hate and a lot of like we make fun of him all the time because he's easy, right? But I admire Peter. Like, I mean, he probably shouldn't have cut off Malchus's ear that one time. Like, that was kind of dumb. But I was like, you know what? Bro, you're a homie. <laughs> I was like, it's fine. Um, but I admire Peter because at least he got out the boat. You know what I mean? Like, no one else even tried. The other 11 were like, who know, I bet you, like, Man, Judas was probably like, he's probably like scheming something dumb. But like, to be, I would have, I would have, I would have probably been like Bartholomew or something, like the no-name disciple, the guy who was like never mentioned, and I would have been like, man, that's really cool. He walking on water. How do you think he did that, John? Like, you, you go next. Like, I'd be like, I'd be telling the other one, like, you try it. And like, but but at least Peter walked. Like, at least Peter was like, yo, Jesus, call me out. Even if he sank, at least he got out the boat. And I'm like, yo, God, like, can I have the faith to at least get out of the boat? At least. Like, this, this, this place of, like, seemingly comfort, do I have the, the faith to get out of the boat? And Peter said, God, if it's you, let me get out of the boat and walk to you. 
And Peter didn't have an irrational fear when he fell into the water. I mean, water is literally the most powerful force on earth. Like, it forms the Grand Canyon. It forms mountains. It, it shapes landscapes. So when Peter's standing on water, like, that's an appropriate fear. Like, he, sh- he probably should be scared of that water. And yet, Peter, in this moment, he had, he had the, 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 the understanding, the respect of this, uh, uh, the water, and yet he still put his faith in Jesus. And that's what makes this story is that Jesus comes walking on the waves. A thought that I had is that sometimes your peace can't come from your waves getting smaller. You know what I mean? Jesus wants to show himself as Lord and Messiah of your waves. And sometimes my prayer is, God, make the bad thing stop. But in this story, Jesus had not calmed the water before he called Peter out. Remember, like, he's going to do that after this, but he didn't do that that yet. And so the winds and the waves were still going. And, and, And Peter, right here, we see that, like, Jesus, I really believe that he was saying, if I make the waves smaller, I'm going to make your faith smaller. Because I'm going to lower your expectation of what I can do. But if I call you out onto the waves, the biggest trouble that you have, you're going to see me as a God that's bigger than the waves. And sometimes we can't pray for God to take away our trouble. We have to pray for God to do a miracle in the middle of the trouble. And so Peter was in this moment where he was taken from faith to faith, from glory to glory, from strength to strength with Jesus. Sometimes your peace cannot come from your waves getting smaller. That'll shrink your God. That'll shrink your expectation of God. That'll lower what you think God can really do. So Jesus, I believe, did not shrink the waves on purpose. I believe Jesus actually made a decision to leave the waves and the winds where they were, call Peter out on top of them. He says, I have authority of this, and I'm going to give you my spirit. A few chapters, I'm going to give you my spirit, and guess what? You are going to have authority over this as well. Jesus is Lord of your waves. Mm. Peter is here in this moment, standing, then submerged, standing, walking, then falls in. And uh, one thing that, uh, that convicted me is I realized that once he was standing on this, Jesus called him to stand on it. And Jesus never called him to sink into it, but yet he did. And I think that some of us sometimes are submerged in what God has called us to stand on. So we have this this miracle, this grace in the Holy Spirit that God has given us to do something, but because we take our faith out of Jesus and put it in our circumstances, maybe even ourselves, we are now submerged in what God has called us to stand on. That can be culture, right? Like, yo, God called us to be a culture setter. We think about Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They set a culture. And sometimes us as Christians, man, we're just following culture. We're submerged in it. We're drowning in it. We think about relationships. God has called us to set a different standard in relationships. But we're doing the same thing everybody else is doing. God has called us to stand on things. And sometimes we're submerged in the very thing that God called us to stand on. And by his spirit, he's calling us to stand on top, to set a standard for what it looks like to have faith in Christ. And, and, and I really don't, like, like, I know I'm coming at Peter, but if it was me, I would come at me. Like, this is just Peter. But I really think that this is kind of like a, 
like a like a glimpse into the human soul. This story is is one moment we're here, and the next moment we're here. Like I don't know if you're like me, but one moment I'm like, yo, God, me and you to the death. I'm gonna do whatever you want. And then he's like, go pray for that stranger. And I'm like, that's scary. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, I don't want to do that. Like that's kind of that's a lot. What do you mean? You know, like all of a sudden. And I don't know what it is, but like we, our souls are just so fickle. Like we are just just up and down and up and down. And I'm encouraged because in Psalms, David says, um, he, he proclaims uh, all these glories of God. He says, God, do you remember our frames are weak and you remember that we are dust? And I'm like, man, God, like you really like you have compassion towards my condition. And like he's a compassionate God who knows like. Like, you want to trust me sometimes, and sometimes, like, it's just the fickleness of the human soul causes you to sink. And, and the beautiful thing, this isn't even part of the message, but after this, Jesus so kindly reaches down, pulls Peter out of the water, and puts him in the boat. He, he rebukes him a little bit. He's like, where'd your faith go? But then they end up praising God, so it's fine. But Jesus shows this kindness in picking Peter right up out of the water. And I'm like, man, God, you have so much compassion towards me. You remember my frame. You know that I'm formed from dust. And yet he invites us into this relationship. Yeah. My last point is, uh, is this, this um, interesting analogy that I found in terms of faith. My dad has a garden and doesn't really like it, but my mom likes it. So he likes it. <laughs> and so like he does it because she wants it. And um, he is constantly just pulling weeds. Like, it's funny because he never plants weeds, but he always has to pull weeds. And, dang, that's actually deeper than I thought. You know what I mean? Sometimes, like, anyway, that's for another message. But he has, but I realize, like, he's trying to plant something specific. Fruits and vegetables, whatever. He's trying to plant something specific, and yet weeds keep popping up. And he constantly has to do so much work to make sure that his garden is clean, to make sure... He's pulling weeds out and, and planting the right things and, and uprooting the other things and taking out weeds and trying to grow more fruit. And what I've realized in my dad's gardening is that weeds are kind of like fruit in, in that weeds and fruit need the same thing to grow, water and soil, right? So like it's, they're different, one you want, one you don't, but they need the same soil to grow, and faith and worry are like fruit and weeds. They need the same thing to grow. Faith and worry need the same thing to grow. Uncertainty. Have you noticed, like, we, we look at the story. Peter, one moment of uncertainty causes him to say, Jesus, I think that's you. Call me out onto the water. Faith. And Peter, the very next moment, the winds and the waves, uncertainty, and chooses worry. And I look at this story and I'm like, I have blamed uncertainty for so many problems in my life. And that's not the issue. The issue is what I choose to plant in that uncertainty. That dad does not, dad's not trying to plant weeds, but they grow. Why? Because weeds and fruit need the same thing to grow. And I don't mean to plant worry, but in uncertainty, uncertainty and faith, <clears throat> excuse me, worry and faith need the same thing to grow. 
And so when you look at an uncertain situation, I don't think that that's God saying, like God punishing us. I don't think that's God saying, saying, hey, this is a discipline that you need to fear something. No, I think that's an opportunity for us to choose faith out of our testimony, out of, of a Matthew chapter 8 into a Matthew chapter 14, out of what God has done, out of his faithfulness to his faith. And I'm not talking about a works-based faith in terms of, I need to be more faithful, so I'm going to try my hardest. Faith is a, is a gift of the Spirit, right? So it comes from God. We partner with God in expressing our faith. I'm not saying you try harder. That is not what this message is saying. Trying harder will not get you anywhere. What God is saying is he's given us an opportunity to partner with him, to believe him at his word. Not to make faith in of ourselves, but to trust him. Uncertainty is the breeding ground for worry or for faith. The only question is, what are we going to choose? I mean, Peter, one of the best disciples and apostles, chose both. And God had so much grace because he picked him up out of the water. And it's beautiful because at the end of this story, it says in verse 33, and those in the boat worshiped him saying, truly, you are the son of God. And I'm so encouraged that even after our disappointments, after our failures, after our worry, and after not choosing Jesus, he still invites us into that participation of worshiping him. That he's not like, all right, now, dry yourself off, think about what you did, stay over there, and I'll let the other guys, but you got to think about what you did. No, he said, out of all of that, <laughs> Peter was soaking wet still, and he's like on his knees like, yo, you're God. And I'm like, you could be soaking wet in the middle of your trouble and still say, you are God. Like, I know I just jacked up, but you are God, and I worship you. I want to encourage us by spirit that we can partner with God and just believing him just to trust him just to have faith in Jesus and not something of our own works but a gift of the spirit will you pray with me father we love you and we are so thankful God, that you came to us even in the fourth watch of the night when we wish that you came in the first we're thankful that you came to us God, that you walked on the things that we worry about. That you're a faithful, faithful God. God, right now I'm just praying over anyone watching this right now or in the room who is dealing with some uncertain situations. And God, I'm not asking that we would start trying harder, but that we would simply trust you more. This, this is not a, it's not a result of works that no man can boast. It's by grace. So Lord, we receive your grace in this moment. In spirit, we receive the gift of faith. And say, Lord, would you impart something in us that when we meet uncertainty, when we, when we have a familiar sound and a, and a faint view of you, God, that we would meet that with faith. God, you're so good. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for walking on our waves. And thank you for inviting us into your mission. Father, we love you so much. And more importantly, you love us.
us. Holy Spirit, would you empower us to live, look, and love more like Jesus today than we did yesterday. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. something that we haven't done in a while. Mm. Uh, please stretch out your hands to mm. uh, tell us. Yeah. Yeah. Gonna pray for you. Yeah. We thank you, Father, for such a great blessing to our life, oh God. We thank you, Father, that you spoke your heart to us tonight, Father. And I just pray that, God, the word that you just delivered to our lives, oh God, let it just yield fruit in our lives, oh God. May it not just Have a good night, everybody.